0: And let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this glorious day you've granted to us. This Sabbath day, an opportunity to gather together with your people to worship you. And Lord as we hear your word read and and preached, we look forward to the spirit working mightily, using your means of grace, call the lost and build up the saints. Lord, we ask you to do all these things, that you would be with us, that you would keep our hearts fixed upon Christ. We might glorify you as we continue to worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's a joy to be with you this morning, and I bring greetings from uh, dear saints and folks and even visitors this morning down at the church plant as I raced up in a uh, abiding by the speed limit of course up here to to be with you that we might be able to worship together and open God's word so it is a joy let's do just that if you'll turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 7 we am going to look at the conclusion of the chapter starting in verse 54 moving through verse 60 as you're turning there getting ready to follow along I'll remind you that Acts written to confirm the The certainty that the Lord Jesus Christ is building his church. Amen. Amen. Well, this is God's word. Follow along as I read it. Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 54. We find ourselves coming to uh, a conclusion of a mini-section here in Acts. Stephen has testified the great truth answered the questions of the Sanhedrin, the council proclaimed the gospel and who Christ is, and this is their response. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and he said, Behold, And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. We've read the the account now of of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. Sadly, even as we, we read this, we know the reality that though he may have been the first martyr, he is... He is not the last or the only one. A martyr is someone who's, who's killed for their faithful witness of Christ. And sadly, estimates tell us for the glory of God that some 70 million Christians have been martyred over the last 2,000 years. And of those, those 70 million, it's the last 100 years that the largest chunk of, of those martyrs have gone to glory. 45 million is the estimate in the last 100 years. And something, sadly, that happens even even this very day, and and I'm going to tell you one example that took place about 50 years ago. The other side of the world, there was a time in, in China that the communist party there from 1966 to 1976 pursued what they referred to as their cultural revolution they they went after anyone that was not part of or promoting or supporting the communist party and one of the targets was the church the idea that there could be a savior outside of the party the state or mao that had to be silenced that had to be stopped Christians were one of many targets in this, this cultural revolution that estimates put anywhere from high hundreds of thousands to millions of Christians were, or, excuse me, Chinese were killed with Christians among them. One particular Christian, though, died in 1973 on December 29th. His name was Pastor Wong Zeming. Pastor Wang Zeming, you may, may have heard of him, you may not have heard of him. He wasn't a, he wasn't a huge figure in China. He was, he was known in the county he resigned in. So perhaps if we were uh, here in Oak Ridge, he was a pastor, local. The, the local folks may have known of him. He probably wasn't known about on the other side of China. He's known of now. He actually has a statue at Westminster Abbey in honor of his martyrdom, glorying Christ, but Pastor Zeming was executed by the, the Chinese government in 1973. He was arrested for preaching the gospel and refusing to take part in public uh, denunciations. Now when the party, the Communist Party, confronted him and said, Why will you not do these things? Why will you not support us? Why are you not participating? His response to them, My hands have baptized many converts and should not be used. For sinfulness. You can imagine they did not appreciate that. So he was charged. Among his charges against him were a few interesting notes. He was charged with using spiritual opium to poison the people's minds. He was charged with being a counter-revolutionary. He was charged with boycotting the communist government's religious policy. He again dared to preach the gospel not to be persuaded that there was a Savior other than the Lord Jesus Christ. So after four years of being imprisoned, Pastor Zeming was taken to a stadium of 10,000 people where he'd be tried. Prior to his trial, his tongue was cut so that he could not say anything. He could not proclaim Christ's greatness, the gospel. He could not do anything but be silent. And then he was executed. In the midst of this, the Chinese communists thought we are stamping out the church. We are stamping out those who would hold up the king of kings and lord of lords. But they failed. We see that throughout history. When the state seeks to stamp out the church, when the powers of spiritual darkness wage war against it, they fail. For Christ, our king, is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Sovereign. He defends and protects his church. I'm reminded of a, an old saying, maybe you've heard, the, the blood of the martyrs, the seed of the church. It's been with us for quite a while. It was Tertullian that actually wrote this in the second century. And he wrote it to the Roman Empire as a, a warning, a rebuke, as a plea, So he wrote this to them. We are not a new philosophy, but a divine revelation. That's why you can't just exterminate us. The more you kill us, the more we are. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. You praise those who endured pain and death so long as they aren't Christians. Your cruelties merely prove our innocence of the crimes you charge against us. And you frustrate your purpose, because those who see us die wonder why we do. For we die like the men you revere, not like slaves or criminals. And when they find out, they join us. That's what happened in this part of China. When Pastor Zeming was executed, it was 1973, as I mentioned, there were in his, his county, the area he was in, there was about 2,700 Christians. Those were the 2,700 that the communists probably wanted to make sure were stamped out, had no more word, would not spread Christianity to others. Then by 1980, that very county, there were about 12,000 Christians. Today, there are about 30,000. That's just one portion of China. In 1973, there were under 300,000 Christians. That's a lot, but not too many. Fifty years later today, there are estimates, it's hard to tell, but somewhere between 38 to 120 million Christians. And the church has grown so much, under the attack and the oppression of the state, there, uh, that currently there are reports that the Communist Party is worried. They look at the growth of the Church. They see what they cannot stop, what our great God is doing, and they are concerned that by 2030 there could be 300 million Christians. That's almost as many people who live in America. Blood of the martyrs, the seed of the Church. So whether in in, in times of peace or or turmoil, and, and I do pray that we would never see turmoil such as that, turmoil such that Stephen faced, or we might face martyrdom for a faithful confession of the truth and proclamation of the gospel, witnessing Christ. But we do see a call in our daily life and and yes, ultimately, perhaps for some of us, martyrdom. But when we look at our passage here, the end of chapter 7, before we move into to chapter 8, there's this, we're really on the brink of a great turn here in Acts. The New Covenant Church is about to explode out. It's about to go global. We're about to, to see uh, an interesting dispersion as the spiritual forces of darkness are trying to stamp out the church. Uh, The reality is that God is taking it farther and farther and fulfilling all of his plans. But as we look at this passage, what I want you to take away, what I want you to see by God's grace is that that Jesus calls you to give your life in witness to him. Jesus calls you to give your life in witness to him. And we're going to look at three things. Christians are to witness Christ in every circumstance. Christians witness Christ because they love the Lord God. Christians witness Christ because they love their neighbors. The first thing we're looking at, Christians are to witness Christ in every circumstance. Stephen, back to our passage. Stephen got the attention of the Jewish leadership. Because he witnessed Christ, and he witnessed Christ in the midst of good times. He witnessed Christ in, 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 a, in a, a moment a, a moment there in Jerusalem where, where the, the opposition had not gone crazy, seeking to stamp the church out. And, and he had an opportunity to do this, and he took it. We, we see, if you back up a little bit into chapter 6, Stephen's chosen as one of the first deacons there in the early church. He's chosen because he displays the giftings for this. He's, he's chosen because he, he displays his godliness, his wisdom. It says that he is clearly full of the Spirit. He's serving Christ as he serves Christ's people. And as you read through, you see he's doing all the things, caring for the temporal needs, particularly looking after the needs of of the the widows there. But he's looking after all of the needs of of Christ's people. And as he is, he's confronted. He's confronted and in debates with with some Jewish believers, they're unable to overcome his great Proclamation of the truth, his wisdom, as the Spirit is working through him. And that's what brings him into this, this trial. But before he's brought in, all is well. I mean, the church is growing like crazy. It's talking about thousands are being saved by the Spirit. Multitudes are being brought together, so much so that there's there's growing pains. There's a need to bring in deacons to oversee the temporal care of, of these folks. Things are good. And Stephen does not let up, he's he's pursuing his service. With all he has. Stephen didn't allow the seeming good times that were there. New deacon, has these opportunities to serve. He understands the goodness of God as he understands the gospel. He doesn't allow this to water down his witness or service of Jesus. In fact, what we see here is it intensifies it. Now, I think we should praise God for where we are in time. He providentially placed us here, the nation we're in. We do complain. There are some challenges we face. But in the grand scheme of things, we look at history, redemptive history. We look at the history of the church. And I mean, the Lord has blessed us greatly. We have much peace. We're, we're kind of like Stephen prior to here, living in this good time. So let us, let us pray for one another, encourage one another. And let us not allow ourselves to, to be complacent in the good times. Complacent when things seem easy and, and well. Well, Stephen now continues to witness Christ to all who will listen, even though he risks his life doing so. And it's clear, when that questions are asked him by the council, he knows their intentions. He could very easily answer them in a way He could very easily choose not to witness Christ fully. And perhaps he could save his life. Perhaps he wouldn't face the pain that can come through the punishments that they wield. But Stephen does not back down. Full of the Spirit, he proclaims Christ, the gospel. And we see the the response that this brings. Back to fifty-four, speaking of the council. Now when they heard these things, how did they respond? They weren't very happy. They were enraged. They ground their teeth at him. There's even a point you got to verse fifty seven that, that they cry out and, and they're stopping their ears, rushing at him. They don't want to hear anymore. Any more of what he is proclaiming. In verse fifty eight, we see that they carry him outside the city that they might might stone him to seek to silence him forever. They're enraged, they seek to overwhelm him, they want him quiet, and it's all because of one main thing. We see here in our, our passage we're looking at, it's because he's proclaiming the truth of who Jesus is. He's proclaiming the gospel with boldness. But yes, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the Savior we have been waiting for. And then he encourages them, proclaims to them. He, If you go back and read, he he calls them out. He confronts their sin, and he calls them to repentance and faith in Christ as he goes through this, giving this picture to them, and, and enrages them. How dare he continue to proclaim the truth of who Jesus is? Now I pray that whether it's here in America or in another land, if you're off... Perhaps serving the Lord on the other side of the world, I pray that none of us would ever have to look somebody in the eye that is ready, about to, moments away from killing us because of our faithful witness. By God's grace, we won't have to face that. But particularly the folks who have been Christians for a while, we can testify to the truth, and we can tell the children that are here that yes, praise God, we won't most likely face that but we we do face some, some challenges, ridicule, mocking attacks there are times that yes there is a sacrifice to follow in Christ things that happen you know children you may have already experienced this perhaps you haven't if you haven't it will it'll probably come at some point You'll have friends or classmates or teammates that will make fun of oh, you. Oh, you read those fairy tales. Oh, you believe in that sky God. I mean, these things will come. And so it's good that you know it's going to come and, and know that your your family and your church family are praying for you, knowing that these things are coming. Christ is there with you. The Spirit is strengthening you. and We need to fear God and not... Man, but it, it's coming. Don't be afraid of it. And adults, well, you've probably felt it. Different places, different ways. There's pressure here, there. Speak not in the name of Christ and his glories. You need to make this decision. I don't doesn't matter what your faith or book or religion says. This is what we do. These things come our way, but we need to be faithful to Christ. He calls us to give our life for him. We need to witness Christ in the midst of these things. So we see Christians are to witness Christ in every circumstance, and we continue to move through the past. We see Christians witness Christ because they love the Lord God. Stephen's love for his Savior, Jesus Christ, is apparent it's a parent here in this passage. I mean, look at how he enthusiastically speaks of him, reports witnesses to him. I mean, he can't even be silenced. He he has to have figured out at this point that this is going to a really rough place, and he doesn't hold back. He has too much love for Christ to be silent about his glories and his gospel in front of this council. So he proclaims it. And, whoa, Lord, help us. May, might we be, like Stephen, might we be those who would, would proclaim our love for the, for the Lord to others and our hope we have in Christ as much as we proclaim the things that, that grip our souls and our fancies and our excitement. We are evangelists of many things. May the Lord cause us to be first and foremost those who would witness Christ to others. But Stephen, he's praising the king of kings here. He witnesses Christ to these men. We see it in verse 56. And He said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. When he says that, when he proclaims that, he's telling them, yeah, he's the God-man, the Messiah. Everything that you're trying to fight is wrong. It is true. I love him, and you cannot silence me. And he proclaims it. As he cries out, glory to the one who's ruling over his creation. truth of his gospel and even in this proclamation there is he he proclaims this behold the heavens are opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of god he, in a way this proclamation is demanding a response from the men who are about to stone him now the correct response would be to stop immediately what they're doing and repent and receive christ but sadly, we see they go the other direction, stopping their ears, yelling against him, seeking to silence and kill him. But imagine if Stephen is, is, yes, full of spirit, but if he's talking about Christ, his love for Christ this much then, what was it like to be around Stephen? I don't know. We can just look at the context, chapter 6 forward, and, and what it was. It was reported he was doing this and that. But I'd, you know, I'm willing to bet he probably talked a lot about Christ and his love for, for his Savior. You know, I wonder sometimes, and I'll pick on myself, but just remember I'm picking on all of us. But I'm picking on me. I wonder sometimes if, if, if you were to go talk to my friends, my family, and ask them, like, hey, what are the things that really get John up in the morning? What excites John? What is he loves? You know, what would they tell you? I'd, man, I I'd hope and pray they'd say it's Jesus Jesus' church, his people. What might our friends and family, our neighbors say about us? Oh Lord, may it be that we love Christ above all. Stephen's love for his Savior, Jesus Christ, is apparent in in how his faithfulness brought about his martyrdom. The Reformation is full of stories of, of those who were who were faithful to to Christ and and because of that they they faced death. And they faced it in a, in a way that is recorded that they're being taken off to their their deaths and they're they're singing psalms and hymns and and they're they're crying out and preaching for those around them even those who are about to kill them to to turn to Christ. The way that Stephen is responding to the stoning that's coming his way, the death that is right before him that he is in the midst of. There's more to the story of uh, Pastor Zeming. His family was able to see him, and even though he was in front of guards, and they, they, they silenced him immediately if he said anything that had anything to do with, with faith, Christ, the gospel. He spoke in code words to his family as they were gathered in a way, saying, they have not broken me, I have not given up Christ's you, Do not either follow me the way that I follow Christ, even if it means your death. The love of our Savior, the love we have for him. Stephen couldn't stay quiet about Jesus, even if he wanted to. Even at this moment where his very life is on the line, he could not be quiet. He could not not talk about Jesus, not glorify him. Not proclaim the truth of who he is. It wasn't even possible. He had a new heart. He loves Christ too much. And then we also, something we don't need to miss. I don't want you to miss. In verse 55. now, Now, we see Stephen's love for Christ, but don't miss Christ's love for Stephen here. And we can understand that as Christ's love for his people. What do we see in in verse 55? But but he full of the Spirit, Stephen gazes into heaven, he saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now he's just moments away from meeting Christ. He's just moments away from being brought into glory. But out of love for him, Jesus gives him this glimpse right before this. In the midst of this, his martyrdom, his death, that he he sees the glory of the Savior that he loves so much. Now, you know, I brought up this kind of our main point we're trying to keep in mind here of this passage that that Jesus calls you to give your your life and witness to Him, and, and when I say that, it's easy for us to say yes. I hear you, Pastor John. We should be prepared to give our life as martyrs. And, and that's kind of the dramatic thing, but it's kind of easy for us to say because, I mean, most likely we're never going to really face something like that. But I'm going to drive it home and make it much, a little broader and apply it to your everyday life. You know, the Lord's, yes, you may be called to, to be like Stephen or, or, or someone else there. But, but when we say Jesus calls you to give your life and witness to him, I mean literally like give your life every day. Give everything to Christ in the midst of this. Uh, Jesus wants everything. He wants all your thoughts. He wants your relationships. He wants your labors, your friendships, your family, you. Everything is Christ's. And Jesus makes all these sacrifices worth it. Jesus makes living for him, the king of kings, worth it. Every moment of suffering, every victory, every challenge, everything that we face But don't allow this call to give your life and witness to him to be something that you think is so far off and and yes, I I think I'd be ready. Of course I'd be ready if it ever happened. But instead, think about the reality and the truth that it's every single moment of every day that he's calling you to. So we see Christians are a witness. Christ in every circumstance, Christians witness Christ because they love the Lord. And and then as we, we come to the end of our passage here we see that Christians witness Christ because they love their neighbors Stephen's love for his neighbor is apparent in his willingness to risk his life to tell them the gospel I mean if you work your way back a little bit you see there's there's clear places through here that there's off ramps offered they're giving Stephen an opportunity just just back off a little bit just you know don't don't go there We're going to give you another opportunity. Are you sure you want to go here? And he does for the glory of Christ, but also for the love, even of of those men there in the council, that they might hear the gospel as they desire. He desires for them to know Christ. You know, another place on the other side of the world, the New Hebrides, about 200 years ago, there was a pastor missionary... A.W. Milne, who, who went there and and as he prepared to go to the New Hebrides, he was one of these one-way missionaries that you may read about, or if you haven't, then go read about them, these missionaries that, that pack everything in a coffin and go because they know I'm going to die in this land. Everyone who had gone to the New Hebrides before uh, Milne had died, like very quickly, the tribe killed them. So he goes, and he goes, and... And the Spirit goes before him and and uses him mightily. He lives for 35 years amongst these people. And he dies not at the hand of, of an angry New Hebridean, but he dies of old age, basically. The Lord takes him home, and when he dies, his body isn't cast away, but the the people give him a, a, an honorable burial in the middle of the village and, and uh, uh, they erect a, a headstone and a tombstone of him and, and in that they inscribe this. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. He went from his writings, willing to die, because he wanted these people to know Christ. And so we went, and the Spirit worked mightily. And I don't bring this up so that I kind of like bring guilt upon myself or or shame on y'all, like, what are you doing? I mean, that's not the point. It's to encourage us. It's to remind us why we witness Christ Why we do it at all times, the love we have for him and the love we have for our neighbors, those that are around us. I mean, we read of these stories of things that are happening and have happened, and and we see the great difficulties in in life and death situations that many take. and, And I hope it encourages us all to say, you know what, it is worth, it's worth potentially being mocked. Maybe even potentially losing a relationship that I might lift up Christ. Share the love of him and the hope that I have in him with someone. Stephen's love for his neighbors is apparent in how dying at their hand, he asks God to forgive them. He doesn't die with a fist raised saying, God smite them to death. That's not the way that Stephen dies. He cries out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then falling to his knees, he cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And then when he said this, he fell asleep. We don't want to miss that also. He just got stoned to death. Rough way to die. Yet the Lord speaks of it in such a peaceful way as is bringing him into glory. So he prays this prayer for them, and we... In Acts, at least see, we see a portion of how that prayer was answered. And when we get to glory, I expect that we'll see how this prayer was fully answered. But we see a portion of that because there was someone there. There was someone assenting to this death. In verse 58, a young man named Saul, who as we move read through Acts a little later, you realize Saul, when Christ confronts him and gives him new life, brings him to repentance and faith. That's Paul. Saul, who, who we're going to see beginning in verse 8, if you read just a few more verses, Saul who goes after the church, he wants to stamp out all of those who are following Christ. He doesn't want the gospel proclaimed anywhere. He doesn't want Christ's name lifted up anywhere. And yet he, even one who is leading the persecution of the church, I think we see an answer to this prayer is not much longer into acts the lord saves him and uses him mightily i mean mightily in huge ways i know that it can be not I don't want to assume you think. For some of us, it may be, I mean, talking about Christ to people may be easy. I mean, sharing the hope we have and, and the gospel may be, may be something that just a second nature. And I, I pray that it would be that for all of us. But, again, I'll beat up on myself. And and if you're in that area, then you can feel beat up with me or encouraged is what I'm actually trying to do. But it, it can be a little intimidating and scary sometimes to witness and, and share Christ with others. There are moments where, you know, I don't I pray that I don't, but Lord, forgive me. I really am more afraid of this person and situation and what they think than, than you. In the midst of that, let us remember who our Savior is, who we are in Him. But let, let us remember that the only hope that person has is Christ. May we tell them about Him. And trust the Spirit will work. Well, there's a couple folks here in Oak Ridge, about 28,000. A lot of people. A lot of people we can tell Jesus about. Y'all can tell Jesus about. Witness Christ, too. I pray that that will be something that continues. Y'all continue to be faithful in that. And for those that don't live in Oak Ridge, wherever you are, pray that, that God will continue you in your faithfulness, witnessing Christ everywhere you go. Because he is he's pretty awesome. He is worth telling people about because he is worthy of all praise and glory and worship and love. It's worth it. Christians are to witness Christ in every circumstance. Christians witness Christ because they love the Lord God. Christians witness Christ because they love their neighbors. May we remember that Jesus calls you to give your life and witness to him. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would would be glorified in all of our worship today and in the reading and the preaching of your word. And and Lord, we do ask that that your servant's mouth had been guarded and if they're that the Spirit would work and and bring forth your truth and that we would would grow in that. And Lord that you would remind us and encourage us in the reality and the call to to give our life and witness to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Give us a, a heart that loves him so much that 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 all of the things that seem so big or or seem to be to be better or good or, or fill our time or, or cause us to be afraid or, or shut our mouths Lord, wipe all those things away or let us be a people who who love with the love that you've given to us and forgive and let us be those who love each other in such a way that the world would even look and say i, I don't get it Lord, I pray that you would grant to us points of contact to to start conversations and that we might be able to, in the way that uh, we witness Christ, as we share the love of Christ, as we evangelize, as we open your word and bring it to bear in all these ways, Lord, use us. Use us for your glory. Lord, we ask that you would do this. Please. Amen.